Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. everybody welcome to the session i'm your host justin crosley hanging out in the studio today once again with oakland united beer works and excited to try their beer i've got some in my glass already so we're going to do that before getting to our guests of course thank you to our sponsor more beer you can go to morebeer.com and check out everything you need for home brewing and pro brewing by the way uh you can still get your christmas shopping done over there go to morebeer.com and check them out on youtube go to their um more beer youtube page they do free beer friday where they give away a bunch of cool stuff every friday i think right now they're giving away a brewzilla so a all-in-one uh brewing machine that's pretty damn cool i kind of want one myself so check it out uh go to morebeer.com and thank them uh for sponsoring this show uh and every show they've been doing it since 2005 in fact i was thinking about this today and uh I'm going to do our Brewing Network anniversary party again this coming June because the Homebrew Conference is back in San Diego. And it made me count the years that I've been doing this ridiculous show. It will be our 18th anniversary, which um, if that doesn't make a person feel old that they've been doing one thing for, I don't think I've ever done anything else in my life for 18 years uh, before this show. Uh, so that'll be exciting. Uh, I'll give you information on that party as, as soon as I have that. Um, also, hey, thanks to uh, all of our sponsors, including the 21st Amendment, Beersmith, Williams Brewing. Um, support our sponsors, and you can support the show in so many easy ways. For example, while you're doing your holiday shopping, click the Amazon link on our homepage, and then just go on about your business. I don't spy on you and see what you're buying or anything like that. But if you click that link, it helps out the Brewing Network. It's just a great way to help us. Uh, and then, of course, you could always donate by hitting the Donate button. And so many of you have been doing that for 18 years, and it's probably the primary reason reason that we're still here. So thanks for doing that, and thanks for all your support. Those are the easy ways to do things. You can send information to me to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com if you want to be heard on the show, um, or if you just have, you know, uh, comments, criticism, I like it all. Just send it to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. 
Com. All right, let's dive into things. Like I said, I've got Oakland United Beer Works with us today, and I've got uh, co-owner Chris Ritter is in the studio. Welcome, Chris. Thank you very much, and congratulations on 18 years. <laughs> Thanks, your, man. your program's still too young to drink, but congratulations. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We can go to war, though. Yeah, that's that's true. You can fight, but you can't, and you buy cigarettes, but you can't that's drink. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can buy cigarettes anymore. Is that right? No, okay. that's probably true. Okay. Okay. Think, all right, all right. Well, we that's voted, actually good. I think good. we voted against that. That's actually good. Good. All right. Well, you can fight, but you still can't drink. And then we've also got assistant brewer. Is that or just brewer? Brewer, assistant brewer. brewer. Okay. There's only two of us, so however you want to look at it. And I I should have asked pronunciation, but I'm going to take a stab. But it's Stephen Ruddy. Ruddy. It is Ruddy. It's simple. It's Ruddy. Very simple. Stephen Ruddy, the brewer at Oakland United Beer Works, is with us today, too, to help us talk about beer. Um, So let's dive right into things, guys. How long has Oakland United been Oakland United? Well, Oakland United as being Oakland United is for about five years, but we trace our history back to Linden Street Brewery, so back to 2009. Uh, Okay. And uh, as you guys know, or many people know, uh, Adam Lamoureux, who was one of our uh, partners, uh, came up with the vision of really getting production breweries started to get in in Oakland. Oakland has this history of brewing, and a lot of people don't realize it, but at one point it was referred to as the Milwaukee of the West. Oh, yeah. And it had one of those, you know, the guys who worked the dock, and I'm sorry, it was guys at that time. The guys who worked the dock would go off, and they had great places to have beer. And unfortunately, in 2000, uh, excuse me, in uh, 1959, the last production brewery closed. So Adam opened up uh, Linden Street Brewery in 2009, and that was owned by three families, Adam's uh, family, the Lamoureux, my family, the Ritters, Hmm. and uh, John Carney. And uh, several years ago, uh, we kind of split up. Adam stayed with uh, James Siaboot, who's the Michelin-starred restaurateur to have the dock. And John and I went off, and it's a long story, but John Hmm. and I went off and started Oakland United. So we went off then. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember the early Linden Street days, and I do remember that story. It's, it's pretty fascinating that a city the size of Oakland had yeah. such a drought of breweries for that long. Um, so that's great. Do you know how many Oakland breweries there are now offhand? You know, I don't, but I will tell you that um, I'm very proud of the fact that we were the first production brewer. I mean, you had, oh, yeah. you had like, you know, some of the guys who were brewing and then selling on premise, but off premise selling to restaurants, we were the first. Okay. And, it was really an honor to be able to bring that kind of back to you know to Oakland, and now to see you know Jack London Square where we are. Yeah, there are at least four or five breweries. You yeah. know, original Pattern and and Buck Wild and various others. So it's just delightful to see that it is becoming a brewing city again. Yeah, what a great area. Yeah, and then speaking of Jack London, just because I'm I'm a baseball fan and I'm curious, right. I mean, you have to be hoping for that stadium, well, right? It's going to be a knockout thing to happen to you. Yeah. I mean, you know, we think we all would love to see that. Stephen and I were canning today. We were we were just <laughs> talking about this this morning. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, good. I'm glad you don't mind the no, question. No, no, no. We're, no, we're very no. pro the we're, A's. Yeah. And Heck yeah. Yeah, we're, we... We, we have a big A's banner out in front of our, uh, of our brewery. We're a huge fan. Nice. And um, we're hoping it'll come. And I'll tell you what, um, if, it, if it doesn't, uh, we're all going to be heartbroken. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also, if you're, those of you listeners who aren't baseball fans, my listeners have had to increasingly listen to me talk about baseball <laughs> over the last couple of years. The pandemic really got me even more into it than right, ever. And right. it's just like I'm about to change us to the baseball network or something, although right. that's probably trademark. Um, but anyhow, um, if you're not a baseball fan or, or from the Bay Area, the Oakland A's are the last uh, professional sports team left in Oakland. And they've been there since the early 60s. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're their current owner who 
ah, you know, he's not the best owner on the planet <laughs> anyway, but he does have this vision to open a uh, a waterfront park, basically right near Jack London Square. Right. And uh, and Oakland is hemming and hawing. It's going back and forth. And, and anyhow, I could really get into all those details, but the point here is uh, Oakland really is on the precipice of losing its its last uh, yeah, uh, professional what a tragedy. team. And a team that has never left Oakland, by the way. So many other teams have sort of moved from city to city. Oakland born and bred in Oakland. This will be the right. first time they would have would have moved. Right. And they're talking about going to Vegas yeah. uh, with, yeah. with the other this. Oakland team that went to Vegas. Well, we're, I, I, we're, this is what we were talking about this morning. Is I'm pretty sure that's a bluff. I yeah. think it's a bluff. Yeah. I think that they want to stay in Oakland. I think, right. obviously, Oakland wants them to stay in Oakland. But I think, I think they're bluffing. I think they're trying to get some money out of the city yeah. to try to get that stadium built. And I think what's going to happen is they're not going to get that money out of the city. And they're just going to have to pay for it. And they're going to figure out how to pay for it. Yeah, and they're just going to have to figure out how to do it. Yeah, I think that might happen, too. I also think the city might, you know, not even call their bluff, but be a little concerned about their bluff, too. Because I think that Oakland knows how devastating it would be. Oh, yeah. And it's, frankly, for the franchise, it's already devastating. I mean, look what the owner has done to that poor team. Yeah. And so the attendance at the games, I went to a Giants. I love it when the Giants play the A's. I'm a Giants fan. Uh, but I love when we do the Cross Bay, right. the, the Bay Bridge series. And the the people working at the stadium, because it was a very busy day when the Giants went to Oakland. And the people working the stadium were thanking the Giants fans. Right. You know, and, and not that they would ever be rude to us, but they were thanking <laughs> us. And at first I thought they were being sarcastic and they were just like, no, no, we're, we're really happy to see people in this stadium. Yeah. And so a new Oakland A stadium would do to the A's what it did for the Giants. Absolutely. Right. And, and if, you, if you've been to the Giants stadium, what a beautiful stadium. Yes. It's waterfront, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. They want to do something similar in Oakland. And why not? It's on a big plot of land that they're pretending is being used, but it's really not. Yeah. And the other thing, so baseball aside, so those of you listeners who hate my baseball talk, <laughs> from an economic perspective and an Oakland perspective, Jack London Square and the Jack London region has been such a cool area of Oakland for decades. And... Nobody's really done shit with it. Yeah. It's been a waste of a cool area, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. It, and you can track Oakland's development by looking at Jack London Square, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When, uh, I don't know, 30 years ago when my kids were little, you went to Jack London Square for one reason. They had a spaghetti factory in Jack <laughs> right. London yeah, Square. Yeah. That was it. Right? I remember, yeah. yeah. And then slowly, Yoshi's went in. World-class yeah. jazz yeah. went in, right? And they started developing, and slowly but surely, you start to see Oakland's, you know, turning around, becoming what Oakland is really capable of being. Yeah. And, you know, you still see that. And I don't think we'll lose that, but just think Agreed. how much it'll be enhanced. It will. It just will be so enhanced. It, it will. And obviously, some major changes have to happen, both for current residents and then what will end up being new residents. But I agree with you that, like, the heart of Oakland is going to stay there and it's just going to be enhanced. Yeah. I just also. You can't say no to progress. You yeah, just can't. True. And so if you got a guy with a bunch of money willing to spend it, just let him do it. Yeah. Even though, like, the argument is that it's the guy doesn't care about baseball, it's a real estate deal. Mm-hmm. Fine. That just means he's not an idiot. Yeah. Of course it's a real estate deal. This, this is not a negative. Yeah. Right. Let him have right. his real estate right. deal. Yeah, let the rest of us have a team. Yeah, let's face it. The uh, waterfront property that he's going to have in Las Vegas is not yeah, going not to compare <laughs> to <laughs> what we have in Oakland. True. Thank you. Yeah. True. Right. True. There, there'll be no views from that park. It'll be another of these indoor parks with a roof that mm-hmm. closes. Right. Listen. 
I'm sorry, Canadian listeners, but I've been to the Toronto Blue Jays park, and when that lid is closed, it sucks. Yeah. And it's a library. Like, yeah. I swear to God, I, I was really, um, I was taken aback when I went to my first Blue Jays game because uh, they had closed the lid, and I was yelling at the right fielder. Oh, he could hear every word I said. <laughs> an enclosed baseball park is not an ideal place to be a fan. And so, stay in Oakland. Have a beautiful yeah. waterfront park. And then, and, I, and I, I, I think of all of you guys who have, um, I, I don't think taking a risk is probably the right phrase, but have gotten in early, decided that you're investing in Oakland, and, and gone for Jack London, even though it doesn't have the foot traffic that you'd like it to. I hope that finally pays off, and you're going to have more foot tra- traffic than you can deal with. Yeah, we're seeing yeah. that now. And, okay, and by the way, waterfront property in Las Vegas is the Bellagio. Just so <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. The Mirage, the yeah, Mirage. Yeah. Right. But yeah. In, anyway, yeah, we're seeing more of that. And one of the things that really came positive came to us positively out of COVID is that we're seeing more and more people moving into Jack London Square. Mm. And you know, when we couldn't sell to bars and restaurants, all we could do was sell cans. And we got a lot of people that came out of the, the new kinds of either buildings in Oakland oh, or great. Or in the old kind of warehouses that have been converted to incredible lofts, yeah. and it's it, look, Oakland has never got its full due, and it will someday, and it, I think it's fast approaching that. And uh, yeah. those of us who know Oakland love Oakland, and, and for and, a good reason, and especially specifically that part. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I go there. Um, well, for the breweries now, I'm a big original pattern fan, right. and I know those guys. But I'll two also now. There. To go, again, back to baseball, but sometimes if I'm just tired of Bart, I go to Oakland just so I can take the ferry. So I mm-hmm. I'll get some beer in Jack London and then take the ferry over and then walk to the ballpark. Like that waterfront area is just amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. If, if I could choose to move from where I am right now, any place in the Bay, it'd be down there. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. And, and you know, um, say what you want to say about uh, Jerry Brown, but he really brought development down to to Jack London. In mm-hmm. fact, our brewery is right next door to an old warehouse that he converted to where he lived and turned into kind of a political oh, yeah. uh, action area. And now has converted it to a, uh, a really successful help for, for teenage runaways and, and kind of it's called Coventry House. And okay. it's just an amazing, an amazing facility. Oh, that's great. Yeah. See, I love to hear it. And, and I think that's the heart of Oakland, too, and mm-hmm. has it's been true. since the 60s. I yep. mean, Oakland is an activist uh, city. Yeah, true. All right, well, let's talk about this beer in our glass while we're getting okay. some of this history, too. Um, what am I drinking? It's it's your hoppy lager called, what is it, Night Heron? This is Nelson the Night Heron. And Nelson so, the Night Heron, right. Yeah, this was a, a little lager that we threw out a few weeks ago. I think it's a few weeks old now. And um, the reason we wanted to highlight this is because, number one, Nelson Hops, obviously. Love him. Number two, going back to our Oakland uh, conversations, the night heron is actually the city bird. That's our our local bird of Oakland. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We we didn't realize either. And uh, one of our our, our warehouse guy, he actually brought it up, and then he decided to name the bird Nelson. So this is Nelson the night heron. Nice. Which I think is cool. It's a beautiful bird. Yeah. Uh, Big big fan of birds. I like going by the lake and seeing them all. I think we have to be truthful here. What? You know, the, the American bird is the bald eagle, and, you know, we've got the California condor. Those people who love Oakland can really appreciate Nelson the night heron. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nelson is this small little heron. He's dark. He's got the, the black wings. 
He hangs out everywhere. He's everywhere in Oakland. Hmm. He is, you know, not super super majestic, but he is Oakland, man. Yeah, he is yeah. spunky. I think he's majestic. This is our this is our wren, right? This is our <laughs> desert bird of the lake. I don't. You're kind of <laughs> saying he's a little scrappy, though. Like he knows how to get things done. Scra- yeah, scrappy. Yeah. We, Good we say hyphy yeah, in Oakland. I, I, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, those of you who don't know him, as soon as you see our label, you know exactly. Yeah, who you'll he go, is. oh, oh, that kind of bird. Hmm. And, and it, I, I want to pick up on something that Stephen said. We're called Oakland United, and one of the things we really want to do is we want to emphasize what makes Oakland unique. So we're going to have a couple beers tonight that are really Oakland historic centric, mm-hmm. right? Or Oakland attitude centric. And Nelson the Night Heron is Oakland attitude plus. Right? Okay, yeah. And we're, you know, it's a great coincidence. We also have the, the Nelson hops, but Nelson got his name because a bunch of grade schoolers petitioned the city council to make the Night Heron the official bird of Oakland. Oh, nice. And then they picked one, and they named him Nelson. And so Nelson the Night Heron is now the official super bird of Oakland, and we've got a beer named after him. I love it. And I like the double entendre with you guys because of the Nelson hops. But I also like choosing an Oakland image that isn't the tree. Right. Oh, now, yeah. I love the tree. <laughs> Trees it are great. It looks so cool on everybody's logo, right? right? It is the coolest logo for a city. Mm-hmm. I'll give it that. But I need something different. So right. thank you for that. Yeah. Thank but, you. Yeah. Uh, so tell me more about the beer. Nelson Hops and what else? That's it. So that oh, was yeah. one of the things we wanted to highlight is I feel like a lot of times when you're having a Nelson beer or something with a very cool new hop, uh, you know, your Nectarons, your, your what have you, a lot of time you get the... Oh, yeah, this is a, a, a Nectaron beer. This is a Nelson beer with mm-hmm. Mosaic, with Citra. Of course. And you got your 30 other hops that you used because you needed to fill your quota or whatever's going on. Yeah. Um, and I think Nelson's just a superb hop that stands on its own. You know, obviously, we don't True. get a ton of it here in the States or the ones that do are on contracts and this and that. So it's, it's a little bit rare. But uh, we went the extra mile and we decided, you know, let's just... Let's just dry hop it with the Nelson. Let's whirlpool it with the Nelson. Let's just go Nelson 100% across the board. Yeah. And we went back and forth on it, and we talked about, you know, let's let's cut it with a little of this. Like, no, 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 we're not cutting it with anything. We're just going straight Nelson. Right. It's Nelson the Night Heron. We, we can't. No. It's not just, Mosaic the, Nel- the, ne- the, the <laughs> Night Heron. <laughs> yeah. And his cousin Mosaic. Yeah, yeah that's right. But you get a very unadulterated version of what the Nelson hop can do. You do. And so... I'm only going to disagree with you on one point, and Mm. it's a compliment, that I have found from most breweries that have done 100% Nelson beer that it hasn't stood on its own Mm. well enough, and I've most often wished that they've done something else. This one's not that way. Mm -hmm. This one, the hop character of Nelson just shines through perfectly, and it's a great beer. It does not need another hop. No, and I think the fact that it's a lager helps that. Okay. Absolutely. That's, okay, yeah, all I've had with, like, 100% Nelson IPAs. Right. And I just gone, like, and I love, like, some of the dank Mm -hmm. and the kerosene that comes off of it, but in high volumes like that, it also just rips the enamel out of it. It's true, it's true. So, yeah, maybe you're right, just that it's probably a lesser dosage in a lager. It is. It's. I mean, it's a delicate hop. Like you said, you get those diesel notes, and you get those those kerosene notes and uh, a lot of the dank that comes through and it's you know the more you put the more you're gonna get yeah and if you have a little bit lighter of a hand and a little bit delicate of a beer you can kind of make you know the, that gooseberry I don't know what a gooseberry is I've never had one <laughs> but you know Personally, that it's there 
but yeah. I know that people are telling me it's supposed to taste like gooseberries. <laughs> yeah. And I think they're there. I, 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 think, I get Mary. I really do. You know, they're someday, there. Someday mm. you're going to have a gooseberry you're going to say, this is a Nelson. <laughs> I really am. Yeah, you're going to have it. You're like, oh, it smells like Nelson. <laughs> it smells like Nelson. <laughs> no, this is great. I could drink this all day. Yeah. Yeah. What's the ABV? Do you Four, four and a half? Four oh, okay. change? Oh, so I really could drink you it all really day. You really could drink yeah. it all day. <laughs> it is the session after all, right? Yeah, that's right. Oh, 5.2. I'm a liar. What about the malt bill? Simple? Pilsen. Just Pilsen. Just Pilsen. We're using, yeah. um, we use proximity malt for pretty much all of our beers. Um, we do throw some Admiral maltings in for wheat and for oats and stuff like that and uh, a couple of our more adjuncty stuff. But uh, for the most part, this is proximity Pilsner. Okay. If it's not Pilsner, then it's uh, proximity um, uh, base malt, they call it. Okay. But I think this is the Pilsner. I don't think I've heard of proximity before. They're an interesting uh, malt house. They're a really interesting malt house. We've been using them. Um, you know, they're decently priced. The malt's really good. They deliver quickly. There's very little shipping charges. Like, we we're really enjoying everything we get from them. Oh, what's not to like? Yeah. Okay. I forget where they ship from. I think they're shipping out of Sacramento, but they're based in Colorado, I want to say. I could okay. be lying completely. Nice. Okay. So, tell me about a little bit about your brewing history, too, Stephen, because you've brewed at quite a few places now. Uh, yeah, I got my, uh, my teeth cut at Anchor Brewing in San Francisco. Okay. Uh, so, that's where I started out, um, kind of going all over the place there. Uh, it was right after college. I was home brewing. I really wanted a job in the beer industry. Uh, went on a tour in Anchor, and I was just like, oh, so this is church. I get to go yeah. brew beer in church <laughs> every, every day. day. This is fantastic. Uh, so I bugged him and bugged him and bugged him for a job and then started there in 2011, 2012, somewhere around there. Okay. Um, and then kind of did a lot of stuff there. So I was in packaging. I was in tours. uh was doing events. I did fermentation there. Just kind of went all over the place. Sure. Mm-hmm. Great place to cut your teeth, really. It really is. And you, you learn both everything and nothing at the same time, which I like about Anchor. Because <laughs> everything is so... Everything is so big and everything is so production based and everything is so fragmented. So if you're doing fermentation, if you're brewing there, you don't know what's happening with the yeast. That would I be see. my job. Yeah. So you have like a whole handoff. I think it's different now, but when I was there, it was very right. It was departmental. A, sure. It was a system that they had. Yeah, exactly. And it worked, by the way. Well, so, it yeah. I mean, Fritz Maytag, like, you know, you can't argue with his methods. They worked yeah. and they worked for however many years he started a whole revolution. Sure. Yeah, he probably that. would have fired you if he argued anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. He, he hated me the two times. I got to meet him. Okay. I don't know that I've seen him like anybody, so you're probably fine. <laughs> I actually, the first time I met him, true story, is uh, outside of Telford's cigar shop in Marin. So I was working at Anchor at the time. I had never met him before, and I was going to Telford's. We were buying pipe tobacco because I think we were going camping that weekend. Okay. And it was me and three other people from Anchor. I think we were going on like a little retreat. And so we saw him sitting outside just tooting on a cigar. And we we're like, Mr. Maytag, how are you doing? He's like, how are you, boys? And we explained to him, you know, oh, we're, we're actually from your brewery. And he just kind of looks at us and nods his head a little bit and goes, okay, yeah, <laughs> move on. <laughs> next, next. Right. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think he likes or dislikes anyone. He's no. just Fritz. He's, He's just, just who he is. People are around, and he has to tolerate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that sounds about right. Yeah, How but, long were you there? I was there for three years, okay. two or three years. Okay. Um, so a I, good place to come out of, though, if you're going to eventually work at a production brewery. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Do you do, you do any sort of open fermentation at Oakland United like we, they do? We don't, no. Okay. We don't do anything along those lines. Um, you know, it, it would be, I mean... The, the next part of my journey is working in sour beer. So at some point, I'd like to get back to that. And okay. Maybe Oakland United will be the place that we get to play with that a little bit. But uh, yeah, the open ferma- fermentation thing was it was super fun. Uh, it, something I fell in love with. Sure. Um, 
but yeah, we don't we don't do anything along those lines. We're we're playing with uh, just a couple of yeast strains over there. Nothing that we need to free rise really. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a sour program at all yet? No. Uh, okay. No, a uh, kettle sour, but oh, okay. Yeah. You don't consider that a full sour program. I I'm I'm well, an oak considering where you came from, right? Yeah. After, yeah. after well, yeah. So after after Anchor, I I took a job as a brewer at the Libertine in San Luis Obispo. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. that was me kind of going out of my shell, trying something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was there for maybe six months before they tapped me to be head brewer there, and oh, then wow. it was just taking off and you know kind of rebuilding the program in a lot of ways yeah um so that was it was really fun it was really interesting it was a lot of working with fruit working with farmers working with different malt houses there was a bunch of people down there doing new stuff that we got to like experiment with oh that's great um so yeah that's why i i mean i'm not a snob i like kettle sours don't get me wrong but when it comes to oak i'm very sure i I know what i'm looking for yeah absolutely i think well and it's okay to i think to distinguish i think and that i think is the right you distinguish them you don't not say one or love one or the other yeah but I, i like when breweries do that um even when my customers come in here i can tell who I have to dumb it down for, right? I don't mean this to be rude, but I sometimes I just have to go, oh yeah, well, this one's a sour. When in my mind, well, this one's a kettle sour, so it's a little bit different than this oak sour over here or this wild fermentation over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are customers I can talk to about that, right? But I think sour is fine, but I do like brewers that make a distinction. Right. Well, yeah. and it's like it, you look at the wine world and, you know, you have those people who come into the tasting room and they're, you know, you you know right off the bat, okay, this person's going to want this more complex, this spice note, this, this. Yeah. And then you have the bachelorette party that comes in. Sure. And you go, okay, they want red. Yeah, this one tastes like red. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's fruit in this, right? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you, you can. You can tell kind of the, knew you have to dumb it down for it. You have to make it kind of layman's terms for you it. You do. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I don't mind either. No. I have fun with all of my customers. I'm not even just being politically correct here. Um, but uh, it, when we opened the Hop Grenade, I, I, I pretty much had, had two rules. And, and they might seem conflicting, but the, the first one was that we'll be all about the beer. And the second one is that we are absolutely not beer snobs. If any of my staff treats any customer like, oh, my God, you don't know what this is or that is. Sorry, that's the end of the line for you. We want to encourage people to try things and not make fun of people for not knowing something new. And I think that's the rub, right? Once you get the snob portion in the way. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden you've turned somebody off. Like I've seen it happen a thousand times where especially for uh, like female people who come to bars and they want to drink and you go, oh, let me tailor how I'm going to speak about beer to you. And yeah. then all of a sudden, you know, they're told, oh, you don't like this type of beer. And then, they, you know, the language hits and they're like, oh, I must not like that type of beer. And, sure. you know, that kind of thing happens. So when you start to gatekeep that kind of stuff, right. which a beer snob does, uh, it, it kind of ruins it for everybody because, you right. know, you're not you're not making the customer more intelligent. You're not making them more educated. Yeah. And then when they come in, you know, they're like, Oh, I don't like, I don't like hoppy beers. Like, what do you mean by that? (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure you've been given false information. 13 adjectives you could use that are better than that. But isn't that the wonderful thing about beer that you can take? There's so many things to teach about beer. And when you take the time to teach somebody about beer, how much more they appreciate what you, and it doesn't even have to be something complex. Yeah. I mean, I'm amazed when I talk to people at the tap room. I'm, I'm known as the lead, the lead schmoozer. I, I'm in the tap room. I talk to a lot of folks. And you explain to them, look, you know, there's just some basics that you need to know about these things, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there, 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 are, there are lagers and there are ales. And let me tell you a little bit about how the history behind it. It's just so engaging. Yeah. I mean, it just 
not only does it make the beer better, but just people love that kind of sure. stuff. Sure, and it's not condescending. No, not yeah. at all. Yeah. Not at all. And, and to me, the only thing that should dictate um, what messaging you're delivering or any sort of gatekeeping or anything like that is what you've listened to, what you've heard. So in other words, when I say I can tell which of my customers I, I, I want to talk to about kettle sour or regular sour, it's because I've listened to them first. Just right. let them yep. tell me a little yep. bit about what they know, and then I'm like, okay, cool, let's go this direction. It's yeah. not you giving up, it's you knowing how to communicate with that person. Yeah, 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 and by, by them giving me information. So anyhow... Love that you have that yeah. distinction. Um, I'll be curious to watch the progress of the potentially new. Uh, yeah, you heard it here first. Folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How big is the brew house? Uh, Thirty barrel. Thirty barrel. Okay. Mm-hmm. And about how much? You know, you guys said production brewery. How, how many barrels a year do you think you guys are doing now? Oh, I, you know, I don't know that number off the top of my head. We're we're over what we were doing last yeah, I'm year. I'm going to say close to three thousand. Something wow. like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, a good amount. And then we're just we're just trying to keep keep that train moving we have 90 barrel fermenters for a 30 barrel tank we could be doing a lot more turns since we're hoping to kind of throw out into the world here do you have room in the in the space for more uh, fermenter we, more? we have room in the space to grow into as is maybe putting new tanks in won't be the case for us right this moment mm-hmm. but we do have some room to uh to grow at this point we also uh, we were Working with uh, somebody who's contract brewing with us, and we just got their two tanks freed up. So oh. that's already 180 barrels more that we'll be able to work with. Got it. Well, if you time. need more space, you better get it before they build a ballpark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other. That's the downside to all of that. That's they'll, true. they'll come calling us. Yeah, that that's right. When that's they right. Open that's it, right. Yeah. All right, we got a lot more to talk about and a lot more beer to try. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the session, and we've got Oakland United Beer Works. We'll be right back. Hang in there. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for hanging out with us. You're listening to the session. And we're still here with Oakland United Beer Works, talking beer and and history and Oakland and a little baseball. Forgive me. Uh, I got <laughs> okay. to do it. <laughs> I just have to do it. Uh, okay. Now, we've got a lot more to talk about. And, and I wanted to talk about some more of the, of the history. Sure. And, and, and the history, I think, relates quite a bit to the beer that we've got in our glass right now, which... Yes. Uh, is this the one you guys just won JBF for? We did. Thank you got you. a silver, right? We got a silver. Yep. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank that you is very a much. huge deal. Thank you. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's a real tribute to the team that's working on it. And, and I have to tell you, it's a great way to wake up on a Saturday morning <laughs> when all your friends are texting you and saying, hey, dude, guess yeah. what? <laughs> uh, I don't want to say I lacked any faith in it, but I did sleep in on Saturday. And when I found out, it, it made it made it just was amazing. That's so great. Yeah. So, so I've been broadcasting those awards, webcasting them, whatever, for almost as long as the Brewing Network. And it's still never lost on me how important those are and how much they mean to the brewers. Like right. it's one of my favorite things to do every year, even though now I'm sitting backstage just staring at my screen. I still knowing you folks and like seeing people come up and celebrate those wins because it's really difficult to do. And so, and I always, you know, think of it like the Oscars, right? Yeah. Like here you are among your peers, and when you kick ass like that, it's just the coolest thing. Well, it's a validation that you don't expect, especially in like what we consider a flagship beer. Hmm. Because I think that when it comes to GABF, you know, a lot of people do a lot of like game theory with it. They'll be like, oh, let's let's pack one category with oh, some yeah. beer. I don't want to like talk too much inside baseball about yeah, how yeah. that all goes. But, you know, to just be like, you know what? We believe in this beer. We love this beer. This is one of our desert island beers as mm-hmm. far as like the people at Oakland United. And 
to see the recognition that like, boom, you got a silver for this. It's like, oh, this is so validating. This is so incredible that like something that we just sit around and drink all day is like being awarded and being showered with some praise right now. Yeah, Yeah, I think the only emotion I can describe it is just joy. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we got it, it was just a sense of joy, you know? It's something we've been brewing. We bring a, a you know a, a black lager Schwarz beer, a classic German Schwarz beer for well forever. I mean, we've had versions of it since the time we go back to Linden Street, and okay. it's something we really, really believe in. I, I I tell people as a parent, you're not supposed to have a favorite kid, but this is my favorite kid, it's, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. And um, to see other people enjoy it as much as you enjoy it is just joy. I mean, it's just an amazing feeling, and it's, as you said, validation that you're doing things right, that people are making the right decisions, that you're sticking to something that you know, and, you know, a lot of people have no idea what a Schwarzbier is. Sure. And, and then you introduce them to it, and they just, for the first time, realize, oh, it's different than a porter. It's different than a stout. It's very has, different. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But people associate the color with, you know, certain characteristics, and to watch their... Um, Watch them learn is just an amazing process. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things I love about this beer is how uh, full-bodied it is without being cloying or sticky sweet. Mm -hmm. And to me, a a black lager, a Schwartz beer is is difficult in the sense that a lot of times people dry it out too much. And then I get that kind of chalky or even just too grainy. Of a of a note to it, or they go the opposite, trying to give it some of the body that it needs, but then it's not dry enough, and it's just a little motor oil, too much sugar. And this one really is right where it should be. It's got Thank enough you. sweetness to to back it up. It's a little grainy, like it should be. Mm-hmm. Like I'm getting some of those grain notes out of there. Um, I don't know what the chocolate malt is that you guys use, or is it a chocolate malt? In this new iteration of it, there's just just a slight amount of, uh, of of black patent. Okay, but it's you know, I think that a lot of people lean really heavy. It's I mean it's tough, right? Because like you said, the roast quality mm-hmm. can overtake this type of beer. Yeah, and so there's lots of different ways. A lot of people use a midnight wheat. They will use a dehus carafa, like different different situations like that. And I think like a lot of people won't lean into. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, the the caramel malts as much as they should, and I think yeah. that's where the sweetness comes in. Um, there's quite a bit of caramel 120 in here, um, and then some other lower caramel malts as well. Um, but I mean, the broadest base of it is just again base malt, the yeah. base malt from Proximity. Okay, and it's a testament to their malt as well that that grain really really shines through on it. Mm-hmm. It's a delicious beer. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, you know, it, it's, it's I never like tire some, of hearing it. It's like your kid, you know? It's like you know you have faith in your kid, and when other people see it, it's just such a, a warming experience. Well, it's that it's it's the kind of that desert island beer feel. You know, it's not... This isn't... You, I don't think of it as the beer that's going to take over the world in any way, shape, or form, but it's definitely, you know, if I'm reaching for something, this is the beer I reach for. Yeah. And you it's know. not your... But it's not your bestseller. It, it might be, but I don't think oh, so. Uh, okay, it's, it's actually, the bestseller we have is the Pilsner, but it's, yes. but it's, oh, but it's, okay. but it's up there. And I think it's one of those things that we're going to continue to see people starting to really kind of uh, go to it because not only having the award is great, obviously, but I'm amazed when I get people who see dark beers and they just shut down, Yeah, right? Yeah. And I used to tell people when I was pouring – this goes back to the days that I was pouring on Saturdays and Sundays at Linden. I just say to people, close your eyes. 
drink this beer. Mm-hmm. Now open your eyes. <laughs> yeah. Look at the color. Right. You know, all your illusions of a, of a dark beer are just are blown away. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. No, and I think that's important. And to get people to open their mind like that, close their eyes, open their mind. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. It's, kind of, I, it's to me, that exact experiment, too, is akin to people making white stouts now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, the first one I ever had was from Faction, which he still makes. Yep. Uh, Anomaly, uh-huh. I think it's called. Anomaly, yeah. He said he'd never make it again after that first one, and it was just so wildly <laughs> popular, you know? <laughs> that sounds like logic. Um, but anyhow, same thing. Close your eyes and drink that beer, yeah. and then you're certain you're tasting a dark beer. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, right. so I love that just messing with those perceptions. Yeah. But the, the reason I asked if it was your, your bestseller is, it, I was going to say, even if it's not, or as it's not, it, it there's still, I think, something to be proud of as it being a beer that you're known for mm-hmm. right because it has so much character it does. because it's not just a hazy ipa because it's part of you guys you right know? and and that that fits into the idea of the the beer works and not brewing company kind of a situation where it's like we want to experiment and do different types of beers and we've been we've been having like a run <coughs> excuse me again uh, a run of success with our darker beers which has been great to see yeah, yeah. <clears throat> our porters are doing great our stouts are doing great our black loggers obviously doing fantastic and so it's it's really cool to see that because it means that as brewers, we get to be a little bit more creative. Sure. We get to do a little bit more outside the box thinking rather than, well, which hop can we put in this IPA, which is great. Like, I love trying new hops, but at a certain point in time, you get that kind of fatigue. Like, I want to try something different. You know, when you go to a beer bar, you want a selection. You don't want 13 yeah. IPAs on tap and uh, one I Pilsner. Don't. Right. Right. <laughs> right. There are, there right. absolutely is a group of people yeah. who do want that. And, right. You know, right. I, I drink IPAs. I'm not knocking IPAs. I love IPAs. Yeah. Yeah. I was drinking a Swami's earlier. It's nice. Yeah. Fantastic beer. Um, also a desert island beer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, well, it, and we've struggled with that as, as a beer bar too, to, mm-hmm. um, appease our standards of variety right and then sometimes appease the standards of of the public and the public's been changing quite a bit lately i think in a, in a good way where our our standards are starting to more align with the public in terms of variety right but there was a time where if we didn't have seven or eight ipas yeah. on we were the odd man out yeah yeah which we dealt with sometimes just to educate the public that there's more out there but you also watch your numbers dip a little yeah, bit, yeah. and you're like, you got to pay the electricity yeah. bill, right? Like, All right, I need two more IPA stack. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine being a brewer, and that's you know that's that's your lifeblood. You have to make what the people want, and yeah. if that's all the people want, that's all you're making, and that's when you see a lot of brewers hit creative burnout, and you know they start to kind of fudge it a little bit. And it's nice to not have that issue yeah. at Oakland United to be able to. I think we had our one of our biggest hits this year with a Baltic Porter, and yeah. it's just like that's, that's great. insane and lovely. Again, I think it's maybe a testament to our locker yeast, but... <laughs> okay. What is your yeast? Is it a proprietary or... Uh, we're actually using a hybrid uh, right now. I forget the company's name off the top of my head. I'll, I'll look it up. Um, but it's a uh, it's an ale lager hybrid. Okay. And uh, we're using it for our West Coast, too, right now. And it's it's coming out really nice. You know, it's simpler just to say proprietary. It's our yeah. proprietary yeah. yeast. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you sound good, too. Yeah. Our proprietary yeast strain from, um, you know... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, when, when you say hybrid, though, is that like a cult? yeast was that considered a hybrid yeast no so okay. it it is it's one of those newly selected yeast strains okay that it's kind of you know like the there's the cold ipa kind of situation going on where it's mm-hmm. uh or I, I guess actually beer to guard is probably a better way to look at it okay you know you can kind of use whichever yeast strain and they kind of became this little hybrid situation i see 
Um, but yeah, it's it's working great. You know, it, can you use it in both ales and lagers? Yes, is it that kind of hybrid? Yes. Okay, it's yeah. that kind of hybrid. So yeah, we're yeah. using it for our West Coast, but it's not a cold IPA situation. We're using it as an ale yeast. And we're using it at ale temperatures, and it's it's giving ale properties. It's not, uh, you know, it's it's fermenting clean. Yeah, but it's not fermenting lager clean. Okay, yeah, that's so good. All right, is this a good time to also kind of talk about the family history of the brewery? I, I, I'd, I'd love to do that. I want to make one comment, though, because yeah. I've, I've emphasized that we are Oakland, 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 Oakland United. Yeah. And we try to have some connection. It's not always every beer that we name has some connection to Oakland. This is East Bay Nights, mm-hmm. and for those of you who know the band Rancid. Oh, yeah, it, <laughs> it that's right. A, it is a tribute to Rancid. And so, uh, you know, every once in a while, somebody will come in and say, is this related to the Rancid song? And it says, and I like to say it's inspired by it. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. No, I'd be happy to talk about the family situation. Yeah. Yeah, And and so. I'd be happy to talk about Rancid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I'm I'm, I'm old enough that I tell dad jokes, right? And I love to tell my kids I've been following Rancid so long they were called fresh when I started. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good dad joke. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) I'm frowning right now. Yeah, I know. Uh, Right. I know. So uh, you lost your son, Andrew. Yes. Andrew Ritter to ALS uh, back in 2016. Uh, 17. 2017. Okay. Yeah. Um, And... It was really him that started the family into the brewery, right? That's absolutely true. Uh, Andrew, um, much like most of the brewers around here, started off as a home brewer. He started off when he was about 18, and he found out you could brew and not have to be uh, 21 in order to get what you needed to brew. Yeah. And he turned out to be a pretty good home brewer. Um, He went off and got a degree in Latin and ancient history. And so what do you do with a degree in Latin and ancient history? Become a brewer, right? (laughs) Yeah. So he started off uh, at Linden and then went to Drake's and brewed at Drake's and then went back to Linden. Okay. um, Unfortunately, uh, in uh, about uh, 2015, uh, just about the time we had to make a decision whether we keep the brewery going or not, uh, Andrew was diagnosed with ALS. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who don't know, that's Lou Gehrig's disease. It is an absolutely, excuse my language, fucking shitty disease. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it robs you of your ability to move any of your <coughs> muscles. Your brain's still there, but you can't really move. And eventually, uh, it's, an un- it's an incurable disease, which mm-hmm. is uh, uh, something that, um, why we support ALS for ALS, which we'll talk about at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. But Andrew was an amazing young man. And um, I would not be here uh, doing what I'm doing, but for the fact that Andrew really got our whole family into brewing. Okay, yeah. And then uh, when he passed, we had to make a very difficult decision. At, at, at the time, um, the, the building we were in at Linden Street was sold, and it was sold to a developer, and he basically didn't re- renew leases. Um, Adam, who we worked with for a long time, decided he wanted to stick around and work you know, with uh, James C. Abood on a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Andrew was dying, unfortunately, from ALS. And uh, my wife, Jill, and I really made had to make a hard decision. You know, what, we were the majority owners. What are we going to do? Mm. Yeah. Uh, and John Carney and John Carney's family, um, and I know when John hears this, he's going to hate me for saying it. Mm. He was one of the most generous people ah. in the entire world. Uh, basically said, we're going to keep it going, you know, for Andrew. Nice. And so we moved. For those of you who are looking to start a brewery, do not name your brewery after a street because if you have to move, <laughs> you can't keep yeah. the name, right? Fair. So we we moved. We took all of what was Linden Street with us, and we started um, Oakland United. And 
Unfortunately, Andrew didn't live long enough to be able to brew or to see the the, the brewery in in its completion. Mm-hmm. But he's still with us. Um, Mo, who's here, loves this story. Um, uh, when we were pouring concrete one morning, uh, we found out that we were going to pour all this concrete for the foundation. So my uh, son Eric, my wife and I, and John Carney, uh, we all appeared with little vial of uh, Andrew's ashes, and uh, we, yeah. we put it into the... The funny story was we asked the guys who were pouring the concrete, what do we do with this? Do we put it into that rotating thing? And the guy said, well, you know, you might want to do that, but we're going to an old folks home after this to pour the foundation. <laughs> There's no guarantee he'll end up here. Yeah. So we ended up putting his ashes. We covered him. He's he's right near the the, the, the mill. Oh, yeah. And he's, he's, he's with us. Um, anyone that. who comes to Oakland United, please, when you're sitting at the bar, take a look to the left. His picture's up on the wall, and um, mm-hmm. his favorite saying was, drink beer, slay dragon. <laughs> and for those of you who are there, please say a toast to Andrew. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and and I'd, I'll give a toast to Andrew yeah, right drink now. Beer, this, yeah. Drink beer, slay yeah. dragon. Drink beer, slay dragon. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a beautiful story, and and if we can back up just to sure. to the disease for a moment, um, I learned quite a lot about it uh, recently, and and again in preparation for this show, if I'm mm-hmm. honest. Um, but I wanted to bring up that one of the things I learned um, was that anybody can get it at any time, anywhere. Absolutely. And I don't know why I had this preconception that it was always hereditary, or um, that that we even know why it happens. I, I think I because it's been around for so long. Uh, it was discovered uh, in the 1800s, I think. Right. I think I just had these assumptions about it, and when I came to find that out, I was I just was really. I don't startled in some ways and shocked and it and it made it all the more tragic when this uh, strikes families to yep. me because yep. it's so out of nowhere. I mean, how how old was was Andrew in twenty? What did you say? Yeah, twenty fifteen. Andrew was twenty nine when he was was first diagnosed, mm-hmm. and then he he had one of the tragedies about it is that for many people you pat you you go very quickly from being able to be in control to having to basically be supported. So it was about eighteen months before he passed. Yeah. Now, Andrew lived life to the full. Anyone who knows Andrew, Andrew lived life to the fullest. Attaboy. In that 18 months, he said to all of his friends, look, I don't want to hear any bullshit about I don't have it. I don't want to hear anything about they're going to come up with a cure in the next 18 months. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to live life. boy. And so we went to Oktoberfest. We, we had a great time in Oktoberfest. One day he got in the car with his brother and his best friend, and the next thing we heard, they were in the bayou in Louisiana. Wow! You know, so he lived. He lived. Uh, he lived a full life. But Good. to go back to what you said, um, only a fraction of it is actually familial. There mm. are two. There are two types: familial, and then there's one where people have no idea why you get it. And the frightening thing is, it used to be a disease that primarily affected people in their fifties and sixties, oh. right? And unfortunately, there are more and more young people that are getting um, affected by it. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that there is a cure out there. It's, it's fortunately, it is a disease that not, does not hit a lot of people. And so it doesn't have the funding uh, in order to do a lot of the research. And that's one of the reasons right. that things like ALS for ALS have been so, so critical in helping to fund the research for for finding the cure. And, and I agree with you. And I think that the awareness, because what you said, because there are a few cases, because of also probably preconceptions like I had, misconceptions, um, yeah, there's just not enough awareness about it. So yeah. I love ALS for ALS. And by the way, I, I think I read 
that something like 90 to 95 percent of the cases are non-familial. Yeah, they're the, exactly right. They're the, so so I, I like talking about this and these details and the awareness because I like to not going around going around thinking that things can't happen to me. Yeah. No, <laughs> so no, if you, 90 to 95 percent of cases are non-familial, yeah. let's wake up and make sure that research is happening. So uh, so specifically, ALS for ALS is just the coolest and I, I, I think great event that it's done at Faction every year, at least for the Bay Area. Right. But there's more than that event. Uh, uh, there's more than just the Bay, right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. <laughs> there's a wonderful group out of the Boston area called ALS TDI therapy development institute that i cannot say enough positive things about um when andrew was diagnosed um they somehow found out they came and rallied around our family they gave us all the support that we needed hmm. they were completely upfront. you know they didn't they didn't mince any words they they you know made it very clear what the chances of prognosis were yeah but these guys are you know in cambridge you know where harvard and various other places are and they're developing efforts to really find a cure okay um, so ALS for ALS basically is an opportunity. I, I don't think there's any direct connection, but there are a number of people in the brewing world who have been affected directly or indirectly by mm. ALS. And it's an opportunity for people all over the country to get together and brew uh, beer and then to use a percentage of the sales from that beer to effectively help you find a cure for ALS. Yeah. One of the wonderful things that happens is that ALS TDI helps provide the hops that's used oh, uh, nice. for, for it. And so you get a lot of people who kind of come, come use the hops. You don't have to use the hops. Many of our beers recently, we've just decided we want to do our own brewing, want to use our own hops, but still support a very important, very necessary research project. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, the faction event, it's such an important event. It's such a big event now. And I think I've read that that event alone over the years has raised almost a, or over a quarter million dollars it, it for research. It doesn't surprise me. You know, uh, putting aside the seriousness of it, it's a hell of an event. Oh, all the brewers come out to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For those of you who haven't been, first of all, let, let's acknowledge that Faction's got the best view of, oh, any, yeah. of any brewery in the Bay Area. It looks out. You see the, the, the city unobstructed. We just had a wonderful event uh, recently there. The weather was fantastic. I think we must have had 30 or 40 breweries that came out. Some of them it had had brewed specific beers for ALS research, but all of them were contributing to the development to try to figure out how we solve this problem. And it's a great get-together. Uh, Stephen was there. Stephen saw like 50 of his old friends that yeah. he's brewed with from all over the, the, the state. And um, it's just a it's it's a family get-together for a very tragic event. And that's sure. what family's for, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and to be able to raise money like that. And I, I was always impressed at the, not just the number of breweries, uh, but more so that the brewers are there. Yeah. There's there's fewer and fewer festivals nowadays where, that the brewers want to go be a part of. Um, I'm lucky enough that our, our beer fest here is still one of those. And and the other one I know is, is Ales for ALS down there. So, yeah. 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 It's a great well, event. I will, I'll point out, I don't know what it is, but a lot of the brewers have personal connections in mm. some way to somebody who passed or, you know, they worked with or whatever who's had ALS. So it's a phenomenal, phenomenal event. Thank you, Faction. Every year, you know, when we didn't have it from COVID, it, we, it was sorely missed. Sure, yeah. Uh, but, you know, thank you, Faction. 
Yeah, they brought it back this year. Yeah, oh, and it so, came back with a vengeance. Nice. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Uh, now, just to, to wrap up on this beer before we move to the next one, did Andrew have a hand in this recipe as well? Uh, way back when. It's, yeah. gone through, it's gone through iterations, but this is one of the beers that he brewed when he was at Linden. Okay. It, it also traces back to Adam. And for those of you who know Adam, Adam talks about the first uh, beer that he fell in love with was, it was a dark beer. Okay. And so... Um, it was a beer that we brewed way back when. I, um, some of my fondest memories is just going and getting this beer cold out of the tank and oh, yeah. just you know just drinking it and serving it to people at Linden and absolutely. So it's been around, and as I said, it's my it's it's my favorite kid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been around. But I, do I can think, see why. I, I do think of Andrew whenever I drink it, and uh, that makes it even more special. Sure. Well, and keeping the brewery going, you know, let's not gloss over that. I think it, you know, even though you had a tough decision to make, and and that maybe you were even nudged along by your by your partner to keep it going um i can't imagine that you're not uh thankful that that happened uh you know to keep to keep this going listen um john is a very modest man and uh it's going to embarrass him by my saying this (laughs) but uh uh, you know my wife and i were ready to throw the towel in yeah you you know you lose your lease uh, because they want to sell your building and and you know, one partner wants to go one way, which is great. I'm glad. I'm glad that uh, you know Adam went with uh, James and, mm-hmm. and did the dock. And you're trying to. F- your kid's dying. I'm, I don't mean to trivialize that. Um, it so was much happened. T- yeah, tr- a, t- a tough decision. Um, but I'm so proud of the fact that you know we we hung in, mm-hmm. and much of that is because of John's special effort. And um, you know, there's not a time that I don't go to the brewery, and if you come, you'll see the portrait of Andrew up on the wall where I, I don't toast him and, and am yeah. grateful that we're still there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, if there's anything to be grateful for, uh, it is that. Yeah. And and you get to carry on and leave this legacy yourself. So I'm really glad that you yeah, did, Yeah, I, I love to tell people, you know, people inherit things from their parents. I inherited this from my son. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, congratulations thank on you. on your success since then. Thank you, um, and and that this beer is still rocking. Yeah, so, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's. We got another beer to try too. Mo, would you mind helping pour this one? Is I think it's a cryo beer, right? It's called Quintessential Cryo. Um, you want to tell us about this one, Steve? Yeah, don't don't mind the names. I think we're uh, we're running out of um, <laughs> um, so we're just kind of throwing stuff against no, the wall. The beer world is running out. We have we have we have one more Oakland centric beer, but we do. Right. Right. This one is not one of them. <laughs> um, yeah, we've been. Oh, it's clear. I've, look at that. <laughs> I just As soon as I hear cryo, for some reason, I just expect hazy, even though there's no relation particularly. Right. No, but you're, you're right. I would absolutely think the same thing. That's why it's. I, I love the anomalous, to go back to yeah, Rogers yeah. White Stout, yeah. the anomalous beers where you're expecting one thing and you get another, and it's kind of the... I feel like that's kind and of I'm the sorry, Oakland United way now. And I was going to say, and that's Oakland's way, that's right? O- yeah. I think the other mm. people don't know Oakland expect well, one and, thing, and they're surprised as hell how wonderful it really is. Well, yeah. I was, yeah. was yeah. going to go back and uh, quickly, before we talk about this beer, is talking about the uh, the Andrew Ritter beer that we did this year, and I, oh. think, I think something that we want to continue with... Yeah, we're doing every year. Mike and I talked about uh, our, our head brewer, is that uh, what we did was a kind of a throwback beer this year. So we did we tried to do a clone of Pyramid Apricot Ale, if you all remember that delicious, fantastic 2004, 2006 beer that we all drank way too much of. <laughs> so we tried to do a little throwback to that. So I think that's kind of the, the idea now, is the Andrew Ritter beer every year is going to be just a throwback to that classic kind of beer that you were drinking like when Andrew was starting to drink well, beer. Well, and i got to add... Um, 
who didn't have the apricot beer at Pyramid, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's oh. the Bay Area. It's like, oh, you my have God. To. It's, it's illegal not to. Yeah. It's and, also, <laughs> it's one of those beers I drank so much of that right. I can't even stand the smell right. of it right. anymore. Right, right. Uh, yeah. exactly. But, you know, again, uh, that was one of the places that Andrew uh, learned to love beer, right? And uh, so it, it, it was it, it, it was a great, it was great this year. So but that will, beer's but, out now, is or, or is it gone now? It's, it's Andrew, pretty gone. Okay. Yeah, yeah we sold out of it, I think, yeah. at this point. But oh, I'm but looking I, at your news. Yeah, that was back in August. Back right? in August, so, yeah. yeah. But I will we'll tell you, every year we're going to do, and we have done for a number of years, the Andrew Rudy Tribute. So look yeah. for the next one for ALS TDI uh, coming up next year. That's awesome. If you go right now to OaklandUnitedBeerWorks.com, that's OaklandUnitedBeerWorks.com, click on the news and events, and you can see the label for the Andrew Ritter Tribute Beer, uh, this year's anyway. And you can click on there and learn a little bit more about it. But there's all kinds of – you can also learn more about their – 2022 silver GABF medal um, and more. There's all kinds of good info. You guys have a great website, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, I was browsing that today and just a ton of information on there. So good stuff. All right. So tell us about the uh, the cryo. Yeah. Beer. So uh, since I've been I've been in Oakland United now since August, July of last year. This year, it's not last year yet. We're we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and all of the West Coast we've done have been cryo beers, which I thought was really interesting when I started. Um, we haven't done a single west coast ipa that hasn't been a cryo and like you kind of yeah. mentioned earlier you know i expect oh cryo it's going to be hazy and also another situation where when you have a cryo hop right you're going to get one cryo hop and then however many pounds of mosaic in it of course yeah this is 100 percent cryo hops um this is the second one we've done along this line we did one back in what september maybe was yep. the other one it came out really nice um we really enjoyed it um, so yeah, it's just it's it's fun to use the cryo hops. It's something that we are experimenting with more and more, and trying to kind of figure out how we can keep that in our regular cycle. Sure, um, it's a great product, and and some of my favorite breweries who come in here, everyone's using them and mm-hmm. experimenting with them. I mean, less hop matter, right? Uh, technically, you could potentially spend less on hops if you really dial it in right and that's kind of the balancing act that you're working on as like a, a business side of it is yeah. how can we actually use less of these because aren't while they like spending less aren't they more per pound but you use less of them is I, that the deal i want to say it's about what like three quarters more so you okay. know a ten dollar is going to end up being an eighteen dollar yeah per pound and but you only use half of it so okay. you're, you're still yeah. up a little bit on it yeah. But because of that, you know, we work in 11-pound increments when it comes to hops, 11s, 22s, 33s, 44s. And especially when you're dry hopping, you don't want to, you know, put nine pounds in and yeah. just have two pounds sitting around. Right. You're going to go for that whole number. So when you're doing that with cryo hops especially, you know, you want to hit those kind of numbers. So. Okay. Can so I you ask, end up putting a little bit more in than you, you think you're going to, I you see. know, when you buy. Can I ask a favor? Because a mm. lot of people don't know what cryo hops are. Can can one of you just kind of give a quick rundown? Yeah, let's go with Steven on that one. Mine's going to be a bit old, an old description. I want to hear your old description because it's probably my (laughs) old description. (laughs) Well, the simplest way, and and of course you have to be a stoner to know, is that it's Keef. I mean, so it's um, all, I think it's mostly the glands, the lupulin glands, and the matter. That matters most to the things we like about hops, right, which are right, which are the flavor right. and aroma. It's not about bittering components. So they've managed to strip out most of the plant material and leaving that glandular material, uh, which you could call keef shake. Yeah. Um, that that um, 
Yeah, that has all the goods in it. No, that's a that's a that's yeah. a great description. Okay. My, my understanding okay. of how it started, and I have a, a little tandem story about this, is um, is basically you know they're storing these hops, this hop matter in silos, and then once they've taken all of their citra out, now there is you know there's cake on the walls basically. Yeah. So they go in with liquid nitrogen, perhaps. I'm not sure where the cryo aspect of it comes from, and I think that's where it started to actually remove those from the walls and that's that's your key that's your shake basically yeah, yeah. coming through and when i worked at anchor um we discovered this on accident uh because we have a torpedo we had a torpedo in anchor i think they still do um but when you'd load it all the shake would just hit the sides of this torpedo hmm. so a torpedo we you know we put hops in and then we move beer through it rather than actually putting the hops into the tank uh so we'd have just you know, inches and inches on top at the end because we were putting pounds and pounds and pounds of this stuff in these torpedoes. And so I kind of had it in the back of my head like, well, what are we doing with all this stuff? We should do something with it. So I started kind of scraping it off the tank when we were done and putting it in Ziploc bags and freezing it. And then uh, I would make casks out of it. So every now and then we would have a cask of like Liberty Ale, let's say, which is ah. the, their classic pale ale. Um, but it would be with, you know, a ton of Calypso shake, basically, right. that we had in the freezer. But it was the just the stinkiest, most delicious yeah. smelling. And everybody who was a hophead was like, oh, oh the cask's out? We gotta, oh, let's get the cask. Let's get going. Yeah. And our, our, our boss at the time, my boss, Tom Riley, he was just, he was obsessed because he's such a hophead. And he was just like, oh, this is the best Liberty Ale I've ever had. <laughs> right. But yeah, that, that that's my impression. I'm not sure how specifically it is done now. But it's, sure, it's but that I same do, concept, right? I do wonder if it, it, it very well could have been a brewery like Anchor who phoned some of the Yakima people and were like, hey, you hey guys why does this taste so good? And yeah. you ought to look into it right. because yeah. we right. think it's cool. You yeah. know? No, I, I, I just think that's a wonderful story. And, you know, uh, when I tell people that story, I remind them of the fact that uh, hops and, mar- and and cannabis is part of the cannabis family. And yeah. uh, we that's one of the reasons we love what we have, you know? So. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard theories from people even that they're so close... Uh, in fact, I, I think I'll just, it was Vic at the Bistro IPA Festival, and he said to me once, he'd say this on air too, he, he's like, hey, look around, you know that? notice how happy everybody is? <laughs> and I went, well, yeah, dude, it's an IPA festival, it's a bunch of 7% beers, and he goes, no. There's other beer. Fe- there's other festivals where there's a lot of alcohol. The happiness quotient is different, and he he's like, I think it's the relation to I cannabis. Think I think it's the family relation. Yeah, there, there might be something to that, honestly. Yeah, you you think of happy drunks, and they're usually at IPA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those yeah. are the I love you man. It's not the I hate you man. You, you don't see a lot of happy gin drunks at no. a gin. No, you know no, I mean? no, no. You do no, see that no. at the IPA uh, festival. Yeah, that's so, true. You know, that's very true. Juniper's not in the same family. <laughs> No, yeah. not in the same family. <laughs> uh, well, tell me more about the beer. So, so uh, cryo what? It, it is, is cryo a variety? Do you get like cryo citra or is it just? A, yes. Okay. So it's uh, we're getting cryo. Uh, this is citra, mosaic, cashmere is the combination in this one. I forget what it okay. was in the other one, but I think it was uh, similar. If I think Chinook was the, uh, not cashmere, Chinook was the other one. And that one I think we liked a little better. I think that's the one that we're going to go back to. Cryo Chinook is kind of incredible. Like I think Chinook Chin- alone is incredible. Chinook's it's an overlooked hops in yes. this day and age. And it's just, I've had, like years ago I had a pale ale with Chinook and I was just like, oh man, I forgot what this hop can do. Yeah. So it's cool to see that coming back. I'm also a huge fan of crystal hops, which is okay, yep. on, a, on a tail dive and I want to see... What, a, what I want to see what a cryo crystal hop can do, yeah. a little pale ale maybe. Is it all cryo or are there regular uh, pellet hops? All cryo, 100%. Is it 100% cryo? Yeah, okay. uh, all Whirlpool, uh, huge Whirlpool additions and then dry hop. So mm. there's very little bittering in this. It's all coming from the Whirlpool. And it still comes in pellets, right? Or yeah. is it's not like a powder? They're, they're not a powder, no, but they're, they're 
kind of it, it looks like powder frozen into pellet formation. Okay, that's kind of I what see. it looks like. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah we went to. Uh, my listeners have heard this story, but whatever. Uh, we went to Firestone to brew a Pale 31 clone mm. a, a few years ago, and uh, um, Matt Brindleson laid out uh, a selection of hops for us to choose. And you know, and they were named. It wasn't blind or anything, but it was like you know Centennial and, and Citra and all that. And all the way at the end of the table was Chinook. And all of us thought like, well, whatever, we'll smell it, but it's Chinook. And we get there, every person in that room was like, holy shit, yeah. Chinook. <laughs> Remember like, this? That's the one. We don't care what else you put in, but make sure it has this. Mm-hmm. So good. And and I was saying to him, no one's had an answer to this. I don't know if it's gotten better over the years or we just didn't know it was so good. I really can't remember. I, I think we did know it was so good, but I think that because, I mean, back in the day we used it, you know, in for bitterness because it was such a high alpha yeah it was it just became you know i think modern brewers looked at it and said well what would this look like here yeah and then we started oh chinook's great you know uh, how many of the classic seahop pale ales from back in the day were chinook probably most of them if not all of them right um but yeah then it just kind of disappeared you know centennial does that of all of those seahops to me chinook even though it's an old one Mm -hmm. is like the newest school right like it has the the melon and citrate like more of all of that that we now like in our Citra and Mosaic mm-hmm. and everything else. Like, it was always there in Chinook. Well, it has, and it has that just all-American quality to it. It yeah, tastes yeah. like American fruits. It doesn't have that kind of, uh, you know, it's got a little bit of the orchard, but it's mostly just that mandarin orange. It's just yeah. crazy with the orange peel. So good. So you're saying that the, so you get it like in a box that would be three varieties, which in this case was Citra, Mosaic, Chinook. Is that what you said? Uh, yeah, we're, we're, this is it's it's the three different ones. It, it, we're getting it just like we would get normal hops. They just so it's not to a blend. Okay. No, it's not a blend. It's okay. not like a yeah Falconer's flight kind of situation. Yeah, okay. CTZ, got it. Oh, it's a great beer. Mm. Ah, thank you. All right, let's take another break because we've got more to get to. Uh, we at least have a Baltic Porter to try. Yes, yes. We um, do. And I think there's one more beer on draft that we didn't try to. So maybe we'll try to sneak two beers into our final segment. We're hanging out here with Oakland United Beer Works, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the program. Thank you for hanging out with us tonight. We are still hanging out with Oakland United Beer Works. Got a couple more beers in our glass that I took a little sneak taste of at the break. They're (laughs) delicious. Also, uh, speaking of delicious, a brand new beer out from the 21st Amendment. Our good friends at 21st Amendment. uh, Are you happy like me? Actually made by Sully. Made by Sean O'Sullivan, who's back brewing at the uh, San Francisco Brew House. And uh, their limited release, Made in the Bay, Are You Happy Like Me, is an, uh, here we go, are you ready for it? It's an imperial rice ale. No, imperial rice IPA, which is still an ale. Imperial rice IPA, um, it's got uh, two-row pale malt, flake rice, uh, Munich malt, hopped with um, magnum and centennial in the kettle, dry hopped with and I don't know this one, Talus. Mm. Talus and Comet is in the dry hop. Um, it's a delicious beer. I've had one myself. You can pick it up at the San Leandro Taproom or the San Francisco Taproom. Like I said, made by Sully. He's back in there doing good things. You can also order it from 21st-amendment.com, and they'll ship to you anywhere in California. So for those of you California listeners, even if you're not in the Bay, you can still get this wonderful beer. Are you happy like me? Check it out. Also, if you're in the Bay, 
away and you want to go into one of their um, tap rooms, I'm pretty sure right now that if you order a Fireside Chat, which is their winter seasonal, you get a free Fireside Chat glass to take home with you. So pretty cool stuff from our friends over at 21st Amendment. Thanks, Sully. Thanks for all your support over the years and for the good beer. Okay, so two beers left in our lineup here. And one of them I just poured off of our draft. I don't often go for our nitro draft. Not my, not always my, my favorite style. This one is a nitro stout, though, right? Um, and it's delicious. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it really is. I'm not blowing smoke at all. Why, uh, uh, why don't you go for the nitro tap? I'm curious. Well, I find them to often either not be enough like Guinness, which to me is just a staple. I'm sorry to say it. I know it's a mass produced, but it's a wonderful, wonderful beer. It's a great beer. Um, or they're so far in the other direction. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't like sweet beers. And so to find a beer, again, like your, like your Schwartz beer, that manages to, to make it into the middle there with all the right qualities, I just find it, I don't, it doesn't happen a lot. I do like, and we'll have like, um, I like a little old Rasputin. I like old number 38 a little I better. I love old number yeah, so that great one, beer. So I'm not saying I don't, but if I'm going to go for a beer, mm-hmm. I'm usually going, it's a lager or a pale ale, right? right? So, but I'll be going back for this beer for sure. So yeah, tell um, us about this one. I, uh, I I love that answer because we we just had a a long conversation about the nitro because it's kind of one of those situations. You know who who's drinking nitro in this day and age, and what kind of nitro beers are they drinking in this day and age? Uh, so this is going to become an ultra seasonal. Our nitros, and okay. this is just a classic extra stout. Just, that's how it should be to me. And that's how it should be to me. And I think that's how you know we kind of think of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we could put. You know, dates and maple syrup and <laughs> right. whatever we could? else. We could. There's nothing <laughs> yeah. stopping us. Don't give Chris ideas. Yeah. But I, I mean, you know, it, when it comes down to it, when I sit and I drink a nitro beer, what do I want to drink? I want to drink an old number 38. I want to drink an old Rasputin. Yeah. I want to drink one of, anything with old in it, really, when it comes right. down to it. Yeah. Old, old Guinness. Well, and look, those beers, the, those experimental beers, I'm not saying there's anything wrong no, with them. And there's great. an audience for them. Mm-hmm. And this is where, and I don't think I'm a beer snob. I don't even think I'm a beer purist. I think I'm a creature of habit. Mm -hmm. And so I like experimenting a little bit with about a half a pint. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to go right back to my pale ale or IPA or whatever. I'm I'm never really going to stay so far over there. I do enjoy giving a little sip of some of these crazy beers. But the rest of the time, I want that that's in our glass right now. And, you know, we're a production brewery, but we also have a tap room. And our tap room is very much kind of the lifeblood of what, what we think we should be making. And we, mm-hmm. we look at those people. One of the cool things about our tap room is that uh, we were talking earlier about uh, how different Jack London Square is becoming. And one of the things I think is really cool is we have this horseshoe-shaped bar where the bartender is kind of holding court yeah. over everybody. And the people who come into our bar are regulars for the yep. most part. You Love know? That. And we have people who come upstairs and they sit at our tables or outside we have fire pits and stuff like that. But the people who sit at the bar, you can just kind of watch and you can see creatures of habit. What yeah. are they drinking? Um, and if they if there's a nitro on, they want a nitro stout. They yeah. want something simple. We, you know, we've talked about maybe we put the black lager into a nitro. Maybe that would be interesting, something to do. Sure. Um, but yeah, so uh, we we really like this beer. This is uh, this is our uh, our brewmaster's uh, little little secret recipe. This is his kind of okay. his baby uh, that he actually uh, formulated with his wife. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it's a nice little, you know, we're a family affair here at Oakland United, so (laughs) it's it's nice to bring them in. Even if you can't give the recipe, this one is not just black patent, right? There's got to be some kind of chocolate malt in there. There's just a little bit. Okay. Yeah. 
Because um, it's so flavorful and and not just black patent to me, you know. Right, and it's it, and it's dried out. I I when I first had it, I immediately asked him about rye, and I asked him about a thousand different adjuncts, and he's just like, no, no, no yeah, just a little chocolate. You right? Okay, yeah. that's fair. That's it, fair enough. Yeah, this is phenomenal beer, and even if we just have it once a year, it's mm-hmm. one of those things you can look forward to. Yeah, right? and, yeah. And this time of year, this is a great beer. And I wish, you know, so many people don't understand. We wish we could put this in cans and we could, you know, have it all year round. It sure. just doesn't work, right? right? So you got to come into the brewery or you got to come to a place like this, mm-hmm. Hop Grenade, hang out with your friends and enjoy this beer. Yeah. You know, and this is the perfect time for doing it, right? I love that about seasonals. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. The other thing I, I tend to not like about nitro beers is that they can taste flat mm-hmm. and thin to me. Mm-hmm. Now, this one is not more carbonated than your average nitro beer. No. But I think when a beer has enough body, it makes up for that flat character. Because it it jumps off your palate more when I'm like this chocolate that I'm picking up. Instead of laying flat on my palate like an undercarbonated beer, it still jumps off my palate. Mm-hmm. And that I really like. I mean I had a sip of it like what, thirty seconds ago and I'm still tasting it. It's yeah. still it's still coating. It's still just right yep, there on my I tongue. Agree with I'm that. still getting it. Which is the exact opposite of a thin, flat beer. Right. Yeah. Or is, something too sweet. That doesn't jump off your palate. It sits right down on it. Right. Yeah. You know? But that way it weighs it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. There's silence that we all drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with that. It's the only radio silence I allow in this studio. <laughs> it's just a little bit of drinking. <laughs> okay. And then... Um, we have a Baltic porter mm-hmm. in our glass. Another, so you guys are really going going all over the place with the styles too. Yeah, and we, I mean, we lean hard in the paint with the with the dark beers. Okay, uh, which I love. Um, yeah, and the Baltic porter. The reason that we highlighted it is again, we were talking about uh, like kind of the creatures of habit that we see in the tap room, and the Baltic porter just took off in our tap room. Hmm. You know, we, we we see when we come in on uh, Monday, we can see what people drank over the weekend, and the first weekend that we did this sleeping uh, sleeping car giants. Sleeping Giants car? Is that what it's called? Sleeping Car Giants is what <laughs> Sleeping it's called. Sleeping Car Giants. Yeah. Uh, Chris will give the history of that name here in a second. Um, but uh, we found two half barrels over the weekend. People were just drinking this beer. Wow. And I sat at the bar that next week, and everyone come in. And, you know, you'd hear the bartender, oh, what would you like to drink? Oh, what do you have in this? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, like, they would look, and they would see that, and they would go, Baltic Porter. Like, let me try that. And then all of a sudden, they're on glass two. Right. And I mean, for what's what, nine, the ABV? Nine percent, nine percent beer. You know, you, there's that kind of <laughs> again, there's when that happiness see, quotient that, that's, yeah, that arises. Yeah. Um, but we also have uh, we have the Amtrak nearby, uh, so we're kind of a pit stop for the Amtrak. A lot of people will pop in, have their have their quickie, and then get on the the train to get up to Sacramento or wherever they're going. And the sleeping car giants, you know, you'll see people they'll get grab one and be like, All right, I'm I'm getting a four pack of this for the for the train. Mm. So it's just oh, really that's cool. It's a good train ride. It's a good yeah. train ride. <laughs> <laughs> Which it, a little known secret, you can drink beer on the Amtrak. Oh, so that's take your right. own beer with you. You're right. allowed. Yeah, yeah. I've brought growlers before. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- this is another tribute to Oakland. Um, Oakland has a lot to be proud of, and one of the major contributions that Oakland has made is to the civil rights movement. Hmm. And mm-hmm. the Pullman Porters were a group, it was an all-black um, union that was started, and these were the guys who basically would work on the trains that would cross the, the country, and their West Coast office was in Oakland, and it was a major you know, hub for um, basically... Um, African-Americans coming to Oakland, African-Americans getting really good jobs that were allowed them to kind of help take care of their families and educate kids and move on. And Oakland played a major role in providing the place that the union was formed and was um, was able to, to operate out of. So 
Oakland's got a huge, wonderful history that I think is sometimes overlooked. Um, we go to San Francisco and you think of all the stuff that happened there. Sure. Oakland has just got so much going for it. And this is just a tribute to uh, really the brave men who started the, the and the families who supported them that, that started the, the, the Pullman Porters and, and the union that supported them that allowed them to ultimately organize and then become um, ultimately one of the beginning points for the civil rights movement. Amazing. So we're very proud of it, and we're very proud of Oakland for having done that. That's a great tribute. Yeah. Yeah, and a good beer at that. And so this one, and I, my palate's not that great, to be honest with you, so I mm-hmm. probably, probably have it exactly the opposite. But this one, I'm not going to go calling out chocolate. This one is more like dark fruit. Um, maybe some vanilla, but... Um, it's funny because the first couple sips were pretty similar to the nitro stout, but then mm. it started to stand out with less chocolate and more kind of a dark fruit. Yeah, this this is definitely leaning towards the dark fruit. It's okay. definitely leaning towards uh, a lot more of what the lager yeast does to the caramel malts. Um, ah, okay. And uh, yeah, it's just it's an interesting beer because it's it's super smooth for what is it nine percent? Is that what we're, we decided yeah. on? Yeah, yeah, it sneaks up on it you. It sneaks up on you, and it's it's got that winter warmer quality without gaining that fusel. You're drinking booze. Right. <laughs> you know? oh, none of that is there. Right. Which is why it's a sleeper like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that, that can be a real turnoff. And, you know, unless you're really going for a barrel aged something, then mm-hmm. a little bit of that spirit is fine. But I don't think so in a Baltic Porter. I don't know. I, I don't, don't think want... so either. I think the smoother, the better. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why it does get dangerous that way. What size glass do you uh, serve it in, just out of curiosity? It's our the, 10 ounce glass. Uh, yeah. We, okay. Yeah. That's what we would do here. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a we've got an eight and a twelve, and we would pour ten ounces in a twelve ounce glass. Although I did see uh, the we we just did a quad. Um, okay, and I did see our uh, our top, one of our taproom people pouring it into a sixteen ounce glass. Which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> well, well, I've made that mistake. What before. you doing there? <laughs> well, we have, we have an imperial stout, iron mm. and steel, mm-hmm. and uh, I pour in the taproom, and someone forgot to tell me that we're not supposed to pour that in the sixteen ounce glasses. <laughs> so there are a number of people who got. A good time. A good time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> iron and steel, that's very very Pittsburgh of us. What, yeah, what, where did I, the iron I, and steel come uh, from? You know, it actually, okay, it's got an Oakland connection. Uh, an area, Oakland connection to Pittsburgh? No, an Oakland oh. connection to the, the ironwork area around oh. uh, mm. Jack London Square. Mm-hmm. And there was a, there, there was a uh, back in the 1800s, a huge ironworks, uh, you still see it, uh, in Oakland. And so we uh, named it after that. Hmm. Nice. Well, you guys are brewing some fantastic beer. Oh, thank you. And I honestly, I haven't been to your location, so well, I need to change to that quickly yeah. um, and come see you guys in Jack. I won't just wait for baseball to do it. That, <laughs> that's going to be years. You better, you better hurry. You know? God knows what's going to happen, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I even thought about opening a, a hop grenade down there. Oh, yeah. But I was like, I can't wait till the ballpark. I can't ride that out. And yeah. then I can't afford it when there's ballpark. Yeah, so I'm just right. going to come drink with you guys. Yeah. You're, you're welcome I'm, anytime. Man. Well, there, I mean, it's popping up like uh, like wildfire. Over it there. really we, is. We have oh, more coming in. And what's the? You mentioned it earlier. The gluten free one, Buck Buck, Buck Wild. Wild. They just won an award, didn't they? They did. They do, did. Do you remember what that was for? I don't remember. What but it's was for. it for a specifically gluten free category? It was. Oh, it, it was. was. Okay. Yeah. Because it yeah. flashed by me on my screen when I was broadcasting, and I thought maybe they won a, a normal category, yeah. which would have been amazing. That would have been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, no offense, but yeah. it would have been amazing. Yeah. It would have. It would have been incredible yeah. if yeah. it were true. It would have driven away all the celiac. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just gone. No, I, I I tell you what, we're really proud of Oakland, and Oakland did really well. Just you know. 
well, in, in the competitions. Area, yeah. you know, Look at, I mean, Ghost, Ghost, at Ghost Town. Town. Yeah, oh, yeah. Who can who cannot admire those guys, right? Yeah, yeah. Ghost yeah. Town, original pattern. I spend a lot of time uh, drinking with those guys, mm-hmm. so I, I need to change that up a little bit and come drink with uh, you guys. Please do. Uh, well, I, I want to make one mention here of, yeah. of Kristen Carney. Kristen Carney is kind of the, the, the person who has really done a lot of the operations uh, and taken uh, this brewery, I think, to the next level. Okay. And she is the one um, who firmly believes in this inclusiveness uh, that is Oakland. And so when I talk to you about uh, Sleeping Car, when I talk to you about Night Heron, those things which are specific to Oakland, Hmm. she is a kid. Well, she's not a kid. But when you're 66, everybody's a kid. (laughs) But she's a person who grew up. you don't look a day over 65. Yeah, Yeah. thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, She is someone who grew up in Oakland, who loves Oakland, Uh, who has made Oakland um, the center of what we do. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when you see and you hear about these things that are Oakland-centric, it, you know, God bless Kristen for uh, recognizing the, the the uniqueness that Oakland is. Absolutely, yeah. and you know, I know that you guys have a small team. I've known Mo for for years now, and I know you guys have a small team there. But you have a really passionate team. We do, and you all seem to just really have bought into the idea behind the brewery, and that goes a long way. Uh, the breweries are are falling left and right, and and I think part of that is either you know getting into the business for the wrong reason, not paying attention enough to the details, whether that be in the beer or the story. And you guys, uh, you're not uh, following those pitfalls. So uh, good job on that. Yeah, thank um, you. I, I think you really have something to be proud of. It's a it's a wonderful story that you have. Yeah, I'm so you. glad that you got to we got yeah, to come and talk about that. Um, and then, damn, Mo, the beer's real good. <laughs> yeah, I would only add to. The, I would yeah, only, here, you can. Yeah, grab yeah, the. Pre- come on, make Mo, sure, turn, you get on. Here. Turn that red light on yeah. over there. So <laughs> Mo is uh, is our uh, our Contra Costa County rep. You're gonna have yes. to pull that mic all the way. Extraordinary, close to I want to. Yeah. Um, yes, Contra Costa and Eastern Alameda. And and you. yeah, okay. so so we see uh, quite a lot of Mo out here, always singing the praises of this beer. She is a a, a wonderful advocate of Oakland United. Um, and I'm really glad that you, you brought them in here today, Mo. Of course. I mean, uh, I've always respected what you guys are doing, and I've listened to you all for years and, you know, known you for years and come mm-hmm. into the hop grenade for years, all those things. Yeah. And, uh, I joined up with Oakland United a couple of years ago, um, not blindly. I mean, I, I had known of them for many, many years uh, and collaborated with them, working with other breweries uh, in the past and things like that. Met Chris years and years ago, actually. Um, and, and joining up with them has been such an amazing uh, thing for me. And I, I truly believe this is my first sales job. So I've been in the beer industry for 20 plus years. Yeah. But I've never done sales. Okay. And I was always kind of afraid of that side of things. Sure. But what I have found makes it easy is that I believe in the company, I believe in the people that run the company, and I believe in the product. And I think that if that weren't, if none of those, if all three of those things were not true, I couldn't do my job. Sure. And so it actually is such a blessing that that this connection happened. And it was a little bit of a COVID fallout situation that, that made it all come together. Oh yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm very grateful. Yeah. Hey, see, even good things come out of shit things like that. It just <laughs> mm-hmm. happens Absolutely. Yeah. You know like I mean? Silver linings, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 And Mo, we love you. We <laughs> really do. Right back at you. It does yeah. seem like a cool place to work. So mm-hmm. if, uh, if any, either of my businesses fail, I might be looking for a job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> come drink, jump, come drink with us and have yeah. this business prosper. That's all yeah. I can yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. There we we'll go. Have, yeah. We'll get the best of both worlds. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, you can go to, 
let me get it right. OaklandUnitedBeerWorks.com. Go to OaklandUnitedBeerWorks.com. You can find out about any events that they have coming on. Uh, you can find out about beer releases. They put There's even a beer notes tab where you can read about the beers that we talked about today. I didn't even cheat. All of my... Uh, flavor descriptions were off of my palate today. Uh, well, I could have. Well I only didn't cheat because I didn't see the beer notes tab till just now. <laughs> I wish I, I would have done better. <laughs> I would have done so much better. Um, you did all right. Okay, perfect. Uh, OakleyNightyBeerWorks.com. Uh, check it out and go see them in uh, Jack London Square. You can get the address. Uh, I'll be going there also. So uh, thank you again, uh, folks, for, for hanging hey, out. It's with our us. pleasure. And I want to say all of us have been following you for years. and. And it is such a pleasure to be here. So thank you very much. I, I appreciate that very much. It's always and, nice to hear. And, and, and I want to add personally, as Andrew's father, thank you for letting me tell a story. Oh, heck yeah. And um, folks, go out, do what you can uh, to defeat this horrible disease that is unfortunately affecting a lot of really, really cool people across the world. Yeah. And um, ALS for ALS is one of the ways to do it. And ALS TDI is one of those places you should support. And like Andrew did, uh, just live and really enjoy your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank drink you. Beer, yeah. Slay one dragons. more thing. Yeah, drink yes. beer. Slay drink drag. beer. Slay yeah. dragon. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how to say it any better. All right. Uh, we're going to get out of here for now. Um, and, and thanks again to Oakley United for being here. Uh, Andrew's story is is inspirational, and I'm glad that it is, is carrying on um, in this brewery and in so many other ways, too. I, for one, uh, will be uh, attending more Ales for ALS events. And, and just remember what I said, too. Uh, it really can happen to anyone, anywhere. And so it's been going on for far too long. Let's find a cure for that. All right. Hey, thanks so much to our sponsors, of course, More Beer, uh, for bringing you this program. Thanks to the 21st Amendment. Thanks to Williams Brewing. Thanks to Beersmith Brewing Software. You can go to Beersmith.com and download your free 21-day trial of the Beersmith Brewing Software. So you don't have to take my word for it. It's great stuff, but you can just go find out um, for yourself. And then be on the lookout for the California uh, Craft Beer Summit is back in Sacramento in 2023. And you're going to hear more from uh, about that from me here on this show. I'm excited about it. It's a great event. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Take care of yourselves and your beer. The Session is a production of The Brewing Network and brought to you by More Beer. Check them out at morebeer.com. Find more content and live video of this show on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash brewingnetwork. For sponsorship opportunities and information, please reach out to advertising at thebrewingnetwork.com. To reach our hosts, contact feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. Brewing Network.